post-flow show, my dome is still steaming. Passing cheap hotels, get home to stop dreaming. The city sky is starless, on foot because I'm carless, but the 30-block walk from the spot is not the farthest that I've got to move on. Kept companied by neon, lights 3 a.m., the air is like Freon. 50 in my pocket, not much, but I can knock it. Getting paid to light the mic up like a bulb in a socket. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Randack, and this week we are back with a, another exciting, enjoyable, educational mm. Bozo Roundtable. <laughs> now, this week it was supposed to be, and, and these guys probably don't, I, I said, would you come in and do the, uh, the roundtable this week? Because it was supposed to be the other roundtable this week, and the... Uh, the pros from Dover uh, were not able to pull it together, so the actual professionals are here today. Mm. We're the B team. Yep. No, no, yeah, we're, so the, yeah. we're the yeah, A team. So. We're the A team. Oh, we're the A team. No, we're the A team. And it's been a while since the three of us, four of us, the, of us uh, the four of us have been together. Okay, let's go around and introduce ourselves. <laughs> we are. And Brent, when we get to you, tell us about your little intro. That okay. we did today, because okay. it was a, a different way to start just another bozo on the bus. There you go. All right. Well, I'm Brent, and um, the intro is a little rap from a band called Five Fingers of Funk. They were popular in the early 90s. They're out of Portland. And, um, yeah. And we were just doing a mic check, and so I wanted to make sure my mic was working. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we dropped that. You dropped that. Yeah. Drop. In the best we way are all possible. connected, so we dropped it. We're all yes. connected. Um, yes, the royal we. Yeah, the royal we. All right. Who's next? This is Brady. Hi, Brady. Hi. Welcome. Brady's been going on an hour of sleep, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might hear me snoring or something. Okay. And I'm Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Good to see you. Okay, gentlemen. Um,. Trying to think. The last time we, uh, and, Sarah and I, we and were, lady, and uh, <laughs> yes, my lady. <laughs> but I was talking to the gentleman just for a moment because I was going to say that the last time we were together, these bozos were here. That's true. And so, but they were, you know, manana, aloha. <laughs> it was like we're in <laughs> manana. <laughs> they were in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Right. So. Um, I thought we'd start off a little bit of update on how your mindfulness challenge went that we talked about. I mean, that was like December 3rd, so right. it's been No, it was before off. December 3rd. Yeah, because we, we were, in, we were in Hawaii 1st. on December oh. 1st, so it was right before uh, we left. Okay. So end of November, either right. way. End of November. And either way. Yeah. yeah, right after Thanksgiving, I think, actually. Right, That's yeah. Right. Been a okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so our, the mindfulness challenges that we had were just to recap, make sure I remember <laughs> what they were. Uh, very mindful, right? Um, was driving, being mindful while driving, mm-hmm. being mindful in conversations, or with being mindful with our speech, and um, being mindful with brushing teeth, and being mindful with eating. Eating. Right? Yes. Okay. Those were the four. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. Well, my the, being mindful of driving was easy for me for the last 
six well at least for six weeks of the challenge because i didn't have to drive because brady actually was our, was the driver while we were in hawaii uh, you were the designated he driver was the, yeah, yeah. Go. he was the driver of lilo which was our jeep i had the to name be of a our DD. jeep you what had to be a dd had to be a dd yeah, yeah. had to be one and so I really just sat back and enjoyed Brady's mindfulness of driving, and I thought you did well, except for that one time you almost lost the surfboards off the top with that hard right. And the wallet. <laughs> oh, and the wallet. <laughs> uh, I'll let you explain that. Is, that. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, but since I've been back and been on the road, I have been trying to be uh, mindful of, of just making sure I have, mostly making sure I have enough time to get to where I need to be. Uh, beforehand so that I don't feel rushed in the moment. That's such an important part of yeah. mindful driving is leaving in time to show up on time, right? Right, yeah. Because that's when, that's when I find that I'm most distracted is when I'm like rushed and trying to hurry and get somewhere. So I feel like I've done a, a, a good job at that. And then um, as far as mindfulness of, uh, in conversation or with speech, it's since the challenge was issued, I, I think it's been interesting because um, I'll either there's been moments where I've caught myself after the fact where it was like oh, I should have been I could have approached that a different way or I could have been more mindful in, in the selection of my words with that particular conversation or I could have not um, been so uh, hyperbolic which is a word I learned from Brady uh, in the conversation in the moment because that's really not what I was feeling at the time you know but the, the other person might have interpreted that um, and um, and then there's been times where the mindfulness has helped me a lot because I've been wanting I wanted to say something you know in conversation and I've just kept my mouth shut <laughs> I didn't say what I wanted to say at this time and then afterwards when I reflect back on it I was like yeah it's it's good that you didn't say that you know because that wouldn't have it wouldn't have improved the quality of the conversation or it wouldn't have um, it would have it wouldn't have been a positive thing it just wouldn't and it wouldn't have helped anything so just being mindful of, of selecting what 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 sentences to interject in a conversation sure. no, I think is what I've been uh, is what really I've been working important. on and it, it's it's yeah having the challenge has kind of really helped me keep that in the forefront so I just don't blather things out in the moment you know mm-hmm. so that's been good and then brushing teeth given my background that's never been an issue <laughs> I'm, I'm solid with the <laughs> with being very mindful with with brushing dental, and flossing dental hygiene is your, your yeah your that's baby. right up my alley um, so. Uh, that's been a no-brainer. And then mindfulness of eating never was a big uh, problem for me, I don't think, of like, um, you know, just hurry and eat something real fast to, to uh, just to get something in. Um, but I have been paying more attention to making sure that, you know, I don't have to, you know, hurry and cram, you know, uh, a lunch in, into 15 minutes that I can, you know, so I've, I have been putting on a podcast and listening and while I eat to the podcast and trying to take my time more. Um, one thing that's been interesting too, is I've been eating, standing up <laughs> while we've had this mindful challenge of eating. Really? Yeah. I don't know why, but, but yeah, not I'll intentionally. just, you not intentionally really. It just, but I find that, yeah, if I'm standing up, I don't know. I just, I can focus more on the food and just focus on the podcast I'm listening to or, or whatever. But that was an interesting observation. So I have a question. Can you be mindful of the podcast and the food at the same time? Probably. I mean, yeah. 
Probably not. Probably more enveloped in the podcast, but I feel like it helps me not. Uh, it helps me like take a longer meal. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, so, I don't know. I'd be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I, 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 I believe I can do, you know, I'm a good multitasker, even though I know that's a, a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I have that belief system, but I know it's not yeah. probably accurate. I think I can, I think I can do a fairly good job at going back and, you know, being aware mm-hmm. that I'm eating and, and enjoying it and tasting mm-hmm. and also, also listening at the same time, you know? So that's been good. And um, I think that was all of them, right? So, yeah. uh, good challenges. I'm going to continue to work on them as well as we continue through 2019. Perfect. So. Perfect. All right. To you, sir. Senor. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> so, one thing I just want to start off with saying is I definitely have noticed, I don't want to be hyperbolic and say that I've fallen off a cliff. <laughs> right. It hasn't been that extreme. But... Since coming home from Hawaii, it's been more challenging to stick with the challenge, obviously, because when we made the challenge, it was we were leaving to Hawaii, and so I kind of looked at it as a, you know, it was easier to focus on and make it a project, mm-hmm. which has just been interesting because it's hard to to now um, continue and make a habit out of it in Is that my daily partly life because back home. Th- this, this trip was kind of like unplugging from something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you took your work with you, and we, we talked about that on, on the last uh, podcast. But this idea of you actually unplugged maybe from part of your life. In, yeah, in absolutely. It was an unplugging. Yeah, it was yeah. an unplug. It was, uh, you know, you're in paradise a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. It's a mindset shift. You know, it was a mindset Two shift for me. Two tickets to paradise. Two tickets to paradise. Cheeseburgers in paradise. Um, and so I just noticed that. I was thinking before I came down here, or just since I've been home. And I continued pretty effectively for... We've been home for two weeks? Yeah, two right? weeks now. Yeah. For about a week. And then just in the last week... Um, I've started to let the habit get away from me, the, oh. the sustained effort behind it. So that that has been interesting. Um, and as I've started to let the effort get behind, you know, where mindfulness just hadn't hasn't played as significant as a role in my like daily pursuit, I've noticed like a little bit of chaotic thinking like just chaos in in my space and Mm so um i have definitely noticed benefits for making a sustained effort to practice mindfulness and i need to just understand um you know it's a daily practice and the things uh, um that i did like the the conversation thing if if you listen to the last podcast i was very i had a lot of aversion to that aspect of the challenge because that's just hard for me for some reason to to apply in conversation because it involves someone else that I can't control and I think about how they I think about what they're thinking about what I'm saying you know what I mean I think you know there's just it just introduces a wild card and you found yourself projecting it sounds like I project it's just you know that that was definitely the le- the least um, effort on my part. I put the least amount of effort or thought or concern into mindful conversation, I'll be honest. Hmm. Um, 
The other ones, though, I put, you know, pretty sustained effort into brushing your teeth, obviously. Um, one of the easier ones, but definitely an impactful one. Like, because you start your day with that and you end your day with that. Mm-hmm. And it's... it's some people do. <laughs> I mean, hope so. Well, I do. And it's just a reminder of um, what, you know, what your intent is. It's almost like uh, if, if I get into that habit of not just autopilot brushing my teeth and uh-huh. flossing, uh-huh. Uh, taking a step back and being mindful of it. It's just like a way to build intention into my day, hmm. you nice. know, is what I kind of experience with it. So that one was great. Um the eating one so i read mindfulness in plain english while i was out there and there's a section in that book that talks about slow motion activities and how that's kind of like a meditative way a way to integrate that meditative practice and mindfulness into your life and i excelled at that when it comes to breakfast while out there and i definitely knocked mindfulness out of the park when it came to the breakfast routine, making it, eating it, approaching it very slowly. I didn't have a lot of work. And so I had a lot of free time because this was my slow time of year. And so I made breakfast this big project. And when I say that, not meaning it was a taxing, like it was a heavy project, but I, I made the same breakfast every day and I would just slow, I would just move through it slowly. And then so the actual preparation, the, the cooking preparation became mindful became for you. became almost better than the eating of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I looked forward to that part of it, and I relished in just, like, the fruit. And, you know, we had, Hawaii's got all kinds of fruit, and I just cutting open the passion fruit, and, like, was, I don't know. <laughs> I just really enjoyed it. And so... Um, I think I excelled there, but then I didn't, that didn't carry over so much into like lunch or dinner, you know, breakfast was, was like the thing for that. Um, Nice way to start the day. Yeah. Well, but I think you need to, we need to describe said breakfast. (laughs) The breakfast is also known as the lumberjack breakfast. (laughs) Turned by bread. Because this thing was like three meals in one. So, I mean, yeah, you really could, you could have got by on just eating breakfast every day because it was, it was very mindfully prepared and mindfully consumed, but it was very Sustainable. Very sustainable. Fantastic. Well, if you don't know any four, four or five different plates of food, I mean, it was, it was, it it, was it not? Brady's buffet. He is. He does say that's true. I loved it. I got so Yeah, it was. It it was impressive. Yeah, it was awesome. I love it. Um, Yeah, and I, I, I relished in the plate set up too like it it grew you know as the the trip went on and the presentation even though I was usually the only one that saw it (laughs) (laughs) doesn't matter I like the fact that like I I sat it all down and it was all ready and I wouldn't take a bite off anything until everything was ready and I had to of course got to cook the eggs very last because you got to have hot eggs Mm -hmm. like and the toast, but getting the hot eggs and the toast, you know, there's a science to that. <laughs> um, there is, you know. You gotta, no, I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to argue with you on yeah. this one, yeah. Um, yeah, so I did well there. Um, 
Well, let's, let's see. Driving. Driving, yeah. I was pretty mindful of driving in Hawaii. That was that was easy. <laughs> and again, that is one that I've noticed, um, you know, a stark difference between driving in Hawaii and driving back here. Mm-hmm. We had a Jeep. We got a free upgrade to a Jeep. Nice. So we had the top down on the Jeep, and you're in Hawaii, and it was just easier to, to drive mindfully. Mm-hmm. Um, again, driving doesn't... I can't control the road, but I'm not involved in um, the lives of the other cars like I am in a conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that is kind of a place where you can disconnect and you can you can just go and just be like, whatever. So driving was easy. Well, was, I don't want to say easy, but it was um, easy for me to find um, a way to put effort into it. So, yeah, I, I liked it. I feel like it's, you know, having a mindfulness practice, um, picking a couple things and making that a focus is uh, is just a great way to cultivate mindfulness in your whole day, you know, let it bleed into your whole day. Like, honestly, the teeth brushing thing we talked about last time, um, I was like, I love that the more and more I do it, it's just a great intention center mm-hmm. for the day. And so I um, agree. I agree with that. I think it's a great intention center. And the slow motion activity, I think uh, that was influential. When I read that in, in the mindfulness in plain English book, um, you know, that's when I started to look at breakfast. It was, I don't know, a week or two into it. I started <laughs> to look at like, slow down, like chop this onion. <laughs> Mindfully so chopping mindfully an onion, chop this onion right. split this strawberry papaya, <laughs> and scoop these seeds out <laughs> slowly, right? And a slow motion activity, man, it does it does something for the brain. Yeah, it, it works. Nice. Yeah. All right. Should we move on? Move on. Okay. All right. Um, well, we were going to talk about uh, uh, how we become addicted to a few different things. Um, uh, and I, I brought up this idea of, you know, how, how, how do you treat, you know, when one becomes addicted to a belief, which then kind of led into the idea, well, being addicted in a relationship becoming dependent upon a relationship and, and what that looks like. And this word that often gets overused is the term codependent. So, um, but this could be this could be anything. Right. And and it could be sex. It could be work. Um, and um, I've uh, had to deal with some addictions, uh, addiction to work in the last few years. Um, and uh, it obviously caused me some health issues that I had to look at and become more mindful about. So. When, I, when we talk about this idea of living a more mindful life, I really think this overall is just what if you again, this term, it's it's not it's not probably holistic enough, but to, to really d- define, I guess, what m- the concept of living wholeheartedly is about. But living a sober life or, um, or, or, or living a wholehearted life, this idea um, of being healthy in my boundaries with things, especially like work. That's what we talked a lot about the other night, um, Sarah. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I can always 
you know, approach this from uh, being someone who has transcended all these things. But I can definitely say for that I have a lot of experience and it's something I'm still working on day to day. It's 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 really moment to moment. Um, and I, I'm finding that. And I, I know this has not been an issue for you. You jokingly said, you know, I'm working an hour a day. Oh, yeah, yeah, hour, yeah. You know, or whatever it was. Five know. ones. Yeah, five ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got five ones I'm working on, you know, which allows you to do a three hour breath. Right. <laughs> a slow motion activity. A slow motion well, activity. A lot easier when you work five ones. Yeah, right. <laughs> I bet everything is, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, so um, and, and part of this is, well, how, you know, how do we address or, or even treat um, things like, you know, addiction to a relationship and addiction to a beliefs? And when I, when I brought up beliefs, there was a little confusion about it earlier. But what I'm talking about is dogma when I talk about beliefs. So it's uh, it's an added it's it's a belief about, um, you know, uh, an idea or a concept about life that maybe, you know, if it's right for me, it should be right for everybody kind of thing. And um, I think that that's not an uncommon factor or, uh, you know, process that that everyone struggles with from time to time. You know, if you just do things my way, everybody would be a lot happier. And there's, you know, this is the best way to do it. And we, we this happens in theology. It happens in politics. It happens in any type of um, social constructs and, and paradigms that exist. But I, I wonder, I just want to open, open this up because to me, the term sobriety or living wholeheartedly is about finding this balance in life where I'm able to accommodate and assimilate new information um, on a daily basis, um, knowing, uh, honestly, knowing if I'm honest with myself that my confirmation bias is going to be getting in the way of assimilating that information from time to time. I'm going to have blocking mechanisms that stop me from either listening to somebody, um, being aware of my own um, patterns or cycles at times, and and knowing that those those patterns or cycles or, or that inability to listen or accommodate new information stops me, you know, at times from growing. Because I get stuck in something. And so I think of addiction to, you know, an idea or belief can be also just in, in the sense of my patterns. This really relates to work. And that's why, I, I, you know, I related to your story the other night, which I'll let you tell, of course. But let's let's just open this up. Where do you guys where do you guys feel about and think about this? Well, I'll start on just because I was talking about it a couple nights ago with you guys. Um, it just kind of reiterated uh, what I was saying the other night about being a bit too, um, just working a little too much or not being able to find the work-life balance lately. And then as Brady was talking about his mindfulness challenge, it brought up a lot of things to me, um, just kind of reminded me, and Brent's too, but particular, particularly Brady saying, you know, this, what'd you say, the slow, or... Slow, slow motion, motion. Slow, slow motion, motion yeah. Activity. And it made me think I'm I feel like I'm not doing anything in slow motion right now. <laughs> Are <laughs> like, you like well, rushing from one thing tens. to another? You're working five tens, right? So yeah, I mean like around fifty hours a week, yeah. yeah. So it's um and then when I get home it's it's been hard because I, I still have teachers contacting me every single night. I'm double checking um our numbers for the next day before I go to bed, you know, so 
and then if I'm double checking numbers and oh my email's up and you know it's just so it's kind of a ongoing thing lately and I just feel like I'm not doing anything in slow motion and I didn't realize that really until we were talking about this now and it's like I'm I work at 6 30 so I like I don't want to get up too early because I want some sleep because I have mm-hmm. a hard time going to bed super super early and getting that full eight hours so you know I get up at about 5 30 and I'm rushing you know I am I have been able to most mornings be mindful of the teeth brushing which has been pretty amazing but mm-hmm. that's one of the only things everything else I'm just like you know just throwing together feeding my dog as fast as possible turning on the Keurig just like not, all right now I'm not, out the door not mindful of drinking your coffee is what I hear <laughs> I am on the drive once I get in because I bring it in my thermos and mm-hmm. so um on my drive to work and I usually today I was late but usually as far as work goes because I'm opening I'm I'm not rushing too mm-hmm. much I'm usually giving myself enough time together but yeah and then I'm you know working long and then I I still have things to catch up on and or family events or you know all these things so I just feel like I'm constantly rushing from one thing to another to another and yeah it's and that's that's my own story you know I I don't have to now that I'm thinking about it there are times at night when I can slow down and maybe I do a little bit but I mean I'm still rushing like my the last month my meals have been like way more rushed than when I talked you know, a month ago about the mindfulness challenge. I think the most mindful meals I have are at lunch when I'm in the classroom and I'm sitting at a table with the kids while they're eating and I'm eating with them. Because <laughs> I just really? have to, yeah. Huh. I mean, that, not that, that that makes sense on and that's, some level. And it's not super mindful because I'm still not really paying attention to what I'm eating, but I mean, that's the only time I can but picture you're mindful like, sitting because down of, yeah. and like being there present because mm-hmm. I have to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the days when I'm not in the classroom, I'm literally grabbing something and eating in my office while I'm still working. So mm. I've been, and then at night, it's like I'm so tired that I haven't been cooking much. It's like just, I haven't been getting takeout a lot either, but just making something really easy. Like just a lot of like frozen food from Trader Joe's. Lots of that going on. <laughs> TJ's. Yep. <laughs> frozen department. A lifesaver of the modern men and women. Oh, career. it is. It career really, modern men and women. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> my freezer's just stocked. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, my fridge is empty, except for sparkling water. <laughs> freezer's chock full. By the way, I've been making a, a, a slight uh, transfer from um, this brand to... Um, Kirkland's, Kirkland's. I, I, there's a case of them I put in the refrigerator here. Let's try it. Thirty-two in a case of the Kirkland's. Yeah. Are those ones you get from Costco? That yeah. sounds like okay. trash, yeah. bro. Oh, yeah, Kirkland's Costco. <laughs> Brady thinks anything but Lacroix is trash. <laughs> he doesn't like bubbly. Except for, he has, he except doesn't like my bubbly either. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so and addiction to work has been an issue in my past and it was something I really worked hard to get through and make changes to when I switched my career path Mm -hmm. um, a little over a year ago and was doing really really well at and now I'm getting back to this belief system that I have to put in all of this extra effort and all of this extra time or I'm not gonna keep being recognized or what did you say the other night um 
irreplaceable. Or we make our we we believe on some level that nobody can do the job as well as we can. So we create an environment where we we believe that we're irreplaceable. Right. Exactly. And that that really resonated with me the other night because I definitely have that feeling and it's total bullshit. But it is a belief of mine that has been in the past, too, that, Mm -hmm. you know, here I am, I'm doing this. And it's been really hard for me to let things go, like to delegate or to take a step back. Uh, there are some teachers that have been wanting to, you know, asking, can like, can I help with this daily schedule? Because they want to kind of build in their career too, and possibly get into an administrative role. Mm-hmm. And so those are things that they kind of need to check off their list for, you know, professional development. And I've just kind of brushed it all aside, like, oh, you, I don't have time to cover that with you, you know, like. <laughs> It's so hard. Like, you can't get it. Like, it's, you know, and I don't say that to them, obviously, but in my mind, I'm just like, oh, that's a waste of time. Like, <laughs> no one can do this. And it, it, it's, oh, it's so bad. It's. Well, this, this, the, the what, we, what I see this in my own life is it, it becomes a, some type of validation or, um, deep feeling of of of, um need and adjustment and and i and well i'm gonna i'm gonna just kick off this up here it's it's about control if i'm being completely honest with myself when i am in, in in a situation where i have i am compulsively um and obsessive being obsessive about work it's about control and that's that notion or that that bit about you know i'm only i can do the job and 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 focusing on how i become irreplaceable which is so irrational it it in fact it's it's i'm going to say it's toxic because it it it's it, it, i all of a sudden in that moment i'm no longer a bozo on the bus you know i i am you know uh, special. I'm the special, yeah. special the bozo. The you know the top dog bozo, and I basically have just fucked myself because I differentiate that I'm different than everyone else. <laughs> just a quick little short break there. Yeah, uh, quick little short break after yep. I c- confess that I fucked myself. Yep, okay. <laughs> he had a break after that. Uh, uh, that you know is definitely mind opening because. When you said the word toxic, that is completely accurate. And I can feel this shift in my life lately that's not positive. It's not that things are bad. It's just I know that I'm not I'm not being mindful. I'm not um, being in the moment. I'm not being present. And those are things that took me, took a lot of practice and a lot of work for me to get mm-hmm. better at. And I mean, the good news is, is it's acknowledging it, you mm-hmm. know, and saying, okay, and, um, well, let me ask, let, let me ask a question here and you, for all of you in the same, in the same vein, um, as, as I was saying, you know, this all really comes down to control. I mean, this feeling of wanting to be in control of my environment around me, wanting to be in control of my feelings, wanting to be in control of my reactions um, really reminds me of or I see the same association with using a substance and whatever it is and it doesn't matter 
And I, I, I mean, it can be something as simple as sugar, which well, actually that's not that's that's silly because sugar is like a huge addiction um, <laughs> that a lot of people share. Um, and I just finished uh, um, kind of my whole 30 light. Uh, actually, I'm not quite done yet. <laughs> Got a couple more days. <laughs> I'm ready to be over. <laughs> I'm all done, but yeah, not it, quite. But, but the sugar, yeah, right. <laughs> the sugar has been been out has has been uh, again going off sugar for a period of time. It's been been good. But this idea of wanting to control things by you know using substances and sugar is one I realized that when I'm away from it for a while, I'm really glad I'm off it. I think clear. I feel clear. Um, you know that you know the, the same thing with the grains. Um, but, but I, I see that the same, the same obsession happens around work for me and wanting to be in control. And I can look at that through many threads throughout my life, whether it be in, you know, family situations, whether it be sometimes even friends, um, I'm. Uh, something I, I really, I mean, I'm gonna actually, okay, I'm setting a challenge for myself right now to be mindful of this um, obsession with needing to be in control of things around me. So there's there's my confession to start with. I second that. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing. I think it's imperative for my life right now. Because, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, control, that's what it comes down to. And I... I'm, it's interesting because when I want that control in my life at work or I'm, you know, feeling like I need it, it carries over. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of hitting me right now that the last month I've been and part of the whole I can't slow down, I just have to go, go, go. That's control. Like, that's me trying to have control over every little step of my day, uh, everything that's being done. And it's interesting because the more I'm trying to control things, the less control I'm having. <laughs> like I'm starting to slip with the, you know, things like I have so much on my mind and so much going on that I've been finding myself like forgetting little things at work or forgetting to do something where when I do slow it down and take my time and I'm more mindful and just letting things happen and letting myself here's a task, I'm going to do it, I'm going to complete it, then I can move on to the next, where lately I've been thinking of a billion things at once. Yeah. And that's when I, you know, so I've been getting home and feeling so drained, you know, physically and emotionally, and I think it's just because I, I'm never letting my mind just be at that one thing I'm doing, like you were saying, Brent, you know, like um, before we started this, about trying to be present and be in the moment. And when something else pops into your head, what am I doing next? Or, you know, um, letting that go and getting back to the present time. And if I can bring that into my daily work mm-hmm. life, yeah, I think I actually do a much better job yeah. at my, you know, in everything. I don't know. It's It's something that I'm... What I'm going to take on that challenge, too. What I hear, too, is I like how Paul said that it's toxic because if you think, for me, if I think about it, um, 
trying to have control is toxic because it leads to imbalance and that's what i hear you sarah saying a lot of that you feel like you feel imbalanced you know you feel like your whole efforts are just focused on work because of the control issues surrounding it and that ultimately leads to an imbalanced life and that's where you're feeling that's where you're feeling it i think 100 percent yeah, that's exactly. I like that. Toxic. It, yeah. it can be toxic. It can be. Because it leads to imbalance. And I think that there's a there's a big difference between, you know, because I try and rationalize this, of course. You know, because it's not like I haven't thought of these things. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> so I, I, I rationalize it because I think I'm... Because of, okay, the fear. I mean, yes. that, that's where yeah. that, that's I'm not, I won't say it's all fear, but the ba- the basis of a lot of this is fear and that and then fear ties right back into not feeling in control. Exactly. For me anyway. It all. No, it's a big cycle. Yeah. And but there is there's this there's this fine line between saying I'm going to, you know, be my best self at work. I'm going to put in the efforts I need to. But still finding that balance. And for me, that's what's been hard lately is if I'm not putting all of it in, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to lose my momentum, you know, in building in my career or something. I'm going to I'm on this, you know, uphill right now. Trajectory to become a director. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, if I stop doing that, I feel like I'm just going to fall when really I'm probably screwing myself right now. By putting too much in, because at some point the burnout's going to come. Yeah, it's inevitable, and right. um, and I am going to lose control, and because I don't have control anyways. <laughs> well, like the it's illusion. the illusion, the illusion of, of control. control. Yeah, yeah. Right. I love that. Bada boom. <laughs> I like how you said when you were talking about it that you, the more you you try to have control, the less in control you feel and the less you like try to control things the more you feel in control whether or not you are you just feel that way mm-hmm. and that I like that just because that's so often how life is is the counterintuitive approach seemingly counterintuitive or contradictory approach is the one that actually um, produces Oh Jesus! Dios <laughs> mío. <laughs> the counterintuitive, or the you know, the contradiction is true, and like that's what produces the result. Um, but we we definitely do not have control over that picture. No, we yeah. don't. I wanted to though. It, it bothers me that I don't. <laughs> it's it's. That, no, no, that's a good point. I think Anyways, that's why. No, yeah. You see what I'm saying? And uh, you know, like in in, uh, not that I'm a Buddhist scholar or anything, but in like Buddhism, it talks about you know real peace and contentment. It's elusive in a in a sense because it comes when you stop trying to chase it, mm-hmm. you know, and that doesn't work with the way that I feel like our brains are wired to like want to go after it and get it and like force your way into it and it's like no like stop trying to chase it understand the impermanence nature of things and in so doing you know you are freed from like the obsessions and the this need to control the outcome of it and that's when peace and like when contentment comes um, and it just seems like it's like a paradox it doesn't seem yeah. like that's how it would be 
I love the, like, don't chase it. Because I feel like how I got to where I am right now in my job is by not chasing it. I was just... You were in the flow. I was in the flow. You were in the flow. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, that's what got me to the point where I'm at now, was not feeling like I need to be in control and not overworking myself. And then all of a sudden I get this information that, you know... Or you're doing great and, you know, maybe it's time for you to start thinking about taking the next step. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it's like my my ego and control goes into overload. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, if I'm already at this point now, I can't let that, even though I got there by just, you know, like yeah, by my, taking it in stride, you know. Um, non-attachment appreciation. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably um, a, little, a little bit more of intentional slow motion activity, which, uh, you know, this is a, new, uh, is a, a great little way of saying it. Identity gets tied up into it. And when identity and ego sort of get their little fingers and, and grasp onto this, then, yes, quite often the obsession. Right. I know we made all those jokes about, you know, uh, Sarah, my head's so big. Can, am I going to be able to get out the door from this meeting? You know, because you know, because, <laughs> you know there's and if, if two or three people in the room have big heads about something, you know, there's nobody's getting out of the room. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's an illusion, too. You know, it's I mean, because the ego isn't real. You know, it, when for me, when I. And believing these things and thinking, okay, now I'm going to control everything and I'm going to make sure I get there. And I believe that I'm the only one that can do it. I mean, that's not even, that's not real. You know, like, I can't explain the, I mean, there is ego there, but it's not based off of anything that's real. Yeah, it's It's not not rational rational at all, you know, and so really I just need to be brought back down a notch <laughs> well, <laughs> which, I, 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 which I currently am <laughs> well and, and, and I don't you know I don't I mean brought down from what I mean it's more like maybe it's 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 the taming of, of right. that the know. taming and balance yeah. I mean balance yeah. it really in a nutshell is about taming an obsession yes. maybe or, yeah. or something yeah. um, I had uh, Todd, Todd Sylvester was on last week and um we, we talked uh, quite a bit about um, anxiety. And I don't know if you know Todd's philosophy about anxiety. It, it's similar. We, we have a, a similar viewpoint, um, maybe some slightly different language again. Um, but this notion, I, I like Todd's, Todd's notion about this. And I look about it, uh, the obsessions with work and relationships and, and um, sex and money and, and, and anything, a belief system, comes down to um, obsessing over something that is outside of my control. And any time that happens, it, it turns into some type of anxiety or stress. And he uses this, you know, he says it's the, he says it's the improper use of imagination. Meaning that if my imagination is used in a, in a in proper uh, form, you know, the in- intention setting um, and and projection, then it's something that empowers me. When it's 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 not used properly, it often leads to stress and anxiety because I worry about things that are outside of my control. Yes. Instead of dealing with what's real, what's real in that moment, and what what I have the ability to do. 
Um, and I'm not, and I don't believe anxiety is a bad thing. I mean, stress and anxiety are, are a feedback mechanism, a feedback loop that you know our, our minds and our our uh, you know our bodies and our hearts are giving to our giving giving to us. Um, but I, I know that when I become obsessed about something, especially something like work, that um, I'm I am starting to project, and I'm starting to obsess, and I'm not using my imagination properly. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and I have been feeling and been very aware of the stress and actually some anxiety again. You know, because I went. I mean, I have a whole history of you know, anxiety for a while. And for the last, I don't know, I mean, I got off anxiety meds in like six, seven months ago mm-hmm. and have had, I mean, I can't say zero anxiety because that's not realistic. You know, I mean, maybe a little bout here and there, but mm-hmm. I haven't had consistent or high level, like where I feel physical effects mm-hmm. of anxiety in a really long time. And this last month, I've, it's, just come back just like that and and, yeah and and I know that and in those moments I'm like okay slow down and I can take just that moment but it takes feeling these physical effects Mm -hmm. of stress and anxiety for me to make the mental note like I need to slow down right now so let me go back full circle on this topic that this that I brought up this idea of being addicted to a belief and that's what I'm wondering. It's what's underlying here is I have a belief about myself or who I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be and an identity tied into that. And and so when I when I begin to obsess over that and I feel a sense like I'm not controlling what that's supposed to look like, then again, th- there's the improper use of imagination, so to speak, from that, a certain perspective um, uh, or future tripping. Mm hmm. I believe, yes. Yeah, that um, then, you know, I end up stressed out. I believe I'm supposed to be the best. I mean, that's an old story of mine. Like, I need to... The belief. My old belief, which is obviously now a current belief, apparently, again. Yeah! (laughs) Mm. Is that I need to be kind of on the top. And and it's, you know, like, I can't just... Like, I'm not typically okay with just being happy medium like i need to get to the top do you i need i I need to okay okay i feel i believe that i need to or you you've conditioned yourself to believe i've conditioned myself yeah and and that's you know was this your story no no hang on just follow me for a second just stay with me was this your story do you believe or was it one you were taught um i think maybe a mix but more one that i was taught um within my family structure i think and not because they, and not in a bad way as far as it's, it really comes down to uh, maybe what their belief in me was from the time I was young and what I could do. Mm-hmm. And maybe somewhere along the line that confidence in me then I created, you know, so that's where I stepped in and, and built upon that, you know, of not feeling like. Like, I mean, it started even, you know, when I was in high school and I decided to run for student government, I was like, well, I'm running for president, you know, like, there's no point in running for secretary or vice president. Like, I need to, <laughs> yeah, right. like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all the way, you know? And that's kind of been this ongoing thing now of feeling like yeah. it's... Why be a janitor when I can be a, you know, a principal? Right. Right. Yeah, we're fucked. So... Okay. <laughs> well, so, I think... Um, 
So I, I back on the top. I mean, not back on the topic, but to, like you said, to, to bring it kind of full circle. So we've identified the belief. So it's like how how do we overcome that addiction to the belief? You know, uh, I have this addiction to the belief that I have to be the best or I have to be on top. So then, I think so in overcoming that belief. The first thing I, I loved what you said earlier, Paul, about we. Um, you know, we need to have the ability to um, acquire and assimilate new information. And we got to be able to be honest and process that information in order to make any sort of change. And so I think in trying to change an addiction to a belief, the first step is to be honest with yourself that this is not working for me. Mm -hmm. And once you can, once you can really recognize that um, this is not working for me, and because in our minds, we can always try to justify, well, no, but I, I, you know, I need to do this because of this, this and this, you know, or or, uh, oh, it's not really that big of a problem. We can always like kind of minimize or justify our beliefs that we know that aren't a problem. Right. Very, you know, it rings very true for addiction to substances. And um, but so we got the, the key to overcoming that belief is, again, being honest about it, not trying to justify it and. Um, Defend it. Defend it. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. And uh, and really recognize that this isn't working for me in my you know on my path to become a wholehearted person, or this is creating imbalance in my life, and so I need to adjust it. And I think that's kind of the first step in trying to overcome that addiction to a belief. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is this where we play the crickets? <laughs> I was kind of in La La Land, but um, when Sarah was talking, or when someone was talking, I was just thinking that everything starts with thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the identification with our thoughts is what, like, spawns a lot of anxiety for me. Because I have no control over what pops into my mind. I literally don't. And sometimes I identify with, like, thing, like as personalized, you know, stuff that pops into my mind, which, um, you know, is stupid to do if it's, like, something negative because... How can you have no control of something that pops into your mind? I'm not asking you personally. I'm just asking that it's openly. How can that... That's how, how have, consciousness works. Like like a stream of consciousness? Well, just thoughts in general. Like, I can't tell you what I'm going to think next before I think it. Hmm. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> you, you don't have control over the thoughts that come. Or at I, least I, it, I, I don't believe that. You don't believe that? No. I, I believe I do have control of my thoughts. I think sometimes you, I run on automatic. Where they're just like, like I, I will agree with you, they're just like popcorn, you know, popping. Like, you know, I, I have that, the, that, but I also, there are times where if I'm being mindful, I believe I am, I am, I am the one planting the seeds for those thoughts consciously. No, I, I believe you cultivate a healthy mind cultivate. by your actions and by what you do. But in the moment, having control over your thinking and what you think. Mm hmm. In my experience, that's just not how it works. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if I, I do know what you mean. If yes. if I were to tell you to think of, I don't know, I uh, I don't want to go down a <laughs> rabbit hole, but 
Um, I think a lot of times we just give too much power to our thoughts. If I were to say, think of red tulips. Well, then I thought of red tulips, yeah, yeah. but I didn't have control right. over that. Or the, uh, red the, tulips popped in my mind because you told me to think right. Of it. Or to say, or to tell somebody, don't think about your big toe. Well, I'm going to think about my big toe, <laughs> but I didn't know I was going to think about my big toe. True, but I had, uh, but I did. Yeah, but you're not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get. I think I can understand a little bit of what you're saying, Brady. Like, because there'll be moments where I will be completely not thinking about a past experience or a past bad behavior or whatever, and for some, just like maybe a word or a piece of music or something will just boom and bam. There's that thought of like, oh fuck, I did that. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever it brings up that bad memory or whatever, yeah. or it could bring up a good memory too. But it's not like I had any control over my mind, like picking up on you that don't. whatever stimuli it was, and it's like boom, like a trigger, something yeah, triggered. Something it, was right? just like yeah, something tri- triggered, and it. the thoughts there, and then but, and for me to give that power and run with it and come, go into a shame cycle over it is not because right. I didn't control, I couldn't control that thought, and it, I like that idea of giving but, too much power to thought. Yeah, and that is like like I love that idea though, Paul, because like that's Buddhist thought in and of itself there mm-hmm. is no self there is not a thinker behind there's i'm not in the driver's seat of consciousness meaning i'm not here dictating what i think um and there's no self there's no ego that's mm-hmm. doing this and making this all happen and i really don't of course understand that wholeheartedly but i love the idea of it and i love the idea of transcending that and that's sort of like the deepest goal of spiritual life Mm -hmm. is uh, for me the way i see it is you know a path to transcending that self and understanding there is no ego there is no self there Mm -hmm. is no thinker of thoughts Mm -hmm. that is here like driving this train or whatnot um and Taking that perspective is helpful because it it relieves me. What the? Fuck? Um, it kind of, it relieves me of the uh, like the burden of responsibility. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It, it makes me free. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. To not give that thought of power. To not power. give that thought power, to not identify with it, and kind of in so doing, it frees me up to just be and mm-hmm. to just experience mm-hmm. what's there. Mm-hmm. I still I still believe that it is possible to... I totally wholeheartedly think I disagree. <laughs> with what you, I don't think you're in control of what you think on any level. Yeah, I, I, I think you can cultivate a healthy landscape yeah. for your mind to exist uh-huh. in, but you being able to control your thoughts in like a logical pattern, a logical like... In real time? In real time. That's just not how it works. Like if you were to... Like a thought experiment, and this isn't me coming up with this thought experiment, it's from a podcast. If you were to have a whiteboard that scribed out everything that popped into your mind Mm -hmm. when you were silent when you Mm -hmm. were by yourself you would look like a crazy person because things are just popping into your mind and you're having this conversation with yourself and there's seemingly no orderly like fashion um that is process driven for those thoughts Mm -hmm. right and that was just kind of used as an evidence to put 
evidence to point out the fact that we are not in control of our thoughts. Like it's not something that we're dictating. No, this is, is this is really a, a, it's. I totally understand what you're saying, Brady. I want, I want to be, <laughs> be, be clear that that I just have had different experiences that have have shown me that I can do that. That's all, and it's usually. I mean, these times that I've I've had those experiences are usually when I'm alone in the desert for a, a period of time. And I haven't, don't have much influence or triggers from other people, places, or things. And I'm just sort of alone in my environment. And it's almost as if I can f- sense the ability to um, be completely clear and intentional in, with my intent. So maybe I'll clarify what I was trying to say, because I did that when we uh, took a pause there was the, the, the notion of turning off one's internal dialogue. So it's turning off the internal conversation, which is maybe a, just a different way to look at it. Um, and the, my purpose of doing that was to learn how to quiet the mind, to quiet the conversation that goes on. Um, and th- I feel that that's an important spiritual practice for me in my life. It's one of those things that I learned to do um, slowly and over a long period of time. But it also has allowed me to, you know, find a sense of peace, too. Again, full circle, when I go back to this story about that, a lot of these stories I have that run inside my head, you know, especially about the past and about relationships and about who I am and the things I'm supposed to be doing and what I believe my identity is. Most most of that ability to be able to control that internal dialogue kind of goes out the window because it kind of goes back to some just gut instincts about, you know, what I think is my values are sometimes about what I'm supposed to be. And it's not always true. And and I know in those moments that I don't feel like I have control at, at times. There are other times when I'm more mindful and I'm more centered in myself. I'm able to control that internal dialogue that I have a much different experience. There are times that it feels like the old story runs and it's been playing for so long that I almost feel like I have an attachment to it. And we haven't talked about this much recently, but I almost get nostalgic at times for for that, for this story I had about myself. And and, and it, I don't know if that's a type of an addiction to something from my past or, or, or not. But I, I do know that on some level, these are things I always want to, in the long run, are they going to serve me or have value? And so, I, and you remember the first time we talked about nostalgia? I don't know if that was the first mm-hmm. or second group we, we, we did. The first, the first one. Mm-hmm. Was the first it? One that yeah. didn't get recorded? Yeah, the first one. I can't oh, remember. I think it was yeah. the first one that yeah. didn't get recorded. We'll have to probably all sit down and listen to that together sometime. But yeah. um, this thing of nostalgia, uh, you know, there, there's sort of like some sentimental value in something from our past. And we uh, sort of can have, um, you know, feelings about that. And I think that one of the things I brought up was, is it always about remorse or regret or um, feeling like something that we lost, you know? Um and I'm not sure if that's always true, but that's what's one of the premises that I brought up back then. So anyway, anything else you want to say before we move on? No, no, I'm uh, good. Okay. All right. Recent aha moments. 
Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, recent aha moments. Um, so before we started the podcast, we were kind of going over the topic list, and that came up. And I mentioned that um, I did have a uh, well. I've had a couple since the start of 2019, and one was uh, the first week in January. I um, hit my three years of sobriety date, and so. That was an aha moment for me because it just gave me. I'm not big on counting time in recovery and um, uh, or putting a whole lot of weight or emphasis on that being a measure of success in recovery is the amount of time you have sobriety. But it is uh, was kind of a like I guess a milestone. It was a marker for me to be able to hit and then uh, gave me the opportunity to reflect back on where I was three years ago. And for that, it was very beneficial for me. And it was an aha moment in the fact that it gave me, I just felt an immense sense of gratitude for uh, the quality of my life today as opposed to what it was three years ago. And so that was, and, and uh, kind of reflect back on, on, on the, you know, you know, we say the work, but the, the work and the experiences and, and um, the reframing and just the the whole you know approach to, to 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 living life and how so much of that has shifted uh for the good and uh again just a real sense of gratitude for being in that moment uh when i you know at that time and um very grateful that i you know because the quality i guess that's the only word i can really um describe it as is but the, my, the quality of my life is just so much better hmm. today than it was three years ago and then um i guess some other aha moments just came from um just you know setting setting intentions for uh the new year you know what 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 what, what am i going to try to work on moving forward and uh I had an aha moment in that um, I did recognize the fact that although I have, uh, because of my recovery, I've been able to cultivate and develop and develop good connections, very healthy connections with with people and friends, and um, but I still have the tendency to try to. Uh, I still have a tendency to, to avoid making new connections. It's like uh, these connections and friends that I made through recovery and and um, were, were not like forced upon me, but it was it was facilitated, you know, because we were all pursuing a common goal, right? And uh, I think that I'm going to work on, and I'm like, well, and that's and this is good, and and uh, and that's one of you know the the fifth. Um, uh, rule or whatever that you want to call it in being um, uh, living a wholehearted person is a show up, show up, show up, right? Which I, I was going to bring up today, so I'm glad oh, you did. Yeah, yeah and, and and that's what I want to continue to work on is because although I am comfortable with my core group of friends and I and my and my family relationships are good, I want to continue to expand on that, continue to show up and uh, continue co- to connect with people that um, deepen the connections that I have and also connect with, with new people and, uh, you know, even, even strangers and try to forge more connections. So kind of an aha moment that's something I needed to, to implement moving forward. That is so beautiful. Um, I, I've, I rewrote that. I've, I've been rewriting parts of the book, and I rewrote that, that chapter, which has the, the five Okay. steps in it but 
I, I don't remember if this was in the original one. I think parts of it were. But when I show up, I have opportunities before me that did not exist when I chose not to show up. It is really as simple as it sounds. I, I sometimes struggle with believing in the simplicity of life. I think there must be something more to it, right? I accept that I make mistakes every day and do my best to learn from those mistakes. I do my best not to overanalyze life and keep it simple. If the goal is to live a wholehearted life, then learning to see people with your whole heart is important. When I see someone with my whole heart, my bias, prejudiced, and discriminatory lens seem to peel away. I become more compassionate, inclusive, and an accepting human being capable of finding connection and belonging with others. And, and that's sort of that ability to listen, right? Which is kind of what I was hearing from what you were saying. Yeah. Brent, the ability to hear what other people were, were there at as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and not be afraid to be vulnerable with, with people and make that connection. You know, be able to connect with people mm-hmm. and not try to... Because I have a tendency in my life previously and still do, and that's what I'm going to be working on, is to... I, I kind of avoid... Um, connecting with people because I feel like um, that I, you know, I, I put it on myself that, well, maybe they won't like me or maybe, you know, I mean, I put it, I prejudge the whole situation instead of just going into it open and honest and listening and, uh, you know, embracing my inner bozoness that, you know, I'm just, you know, another bozo on the bus. I'm not any more important than anybody else and nobody else on the bus is more important than me. So why can't we make that connection? Yeah. 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 Great aha. Uh-huh. Aha uh-huh moment. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? I mean, I just had an aha moment. What we've already talked about, that was an aha moment for me. Like, a not good one, but a good, I mean, <laughs> an awakening. Are, are aha moments good or bad? I mean, yeah, really? yeah. I mean, an awakening that, yes, I don't have balance in my life right now. Yes, there are things that I need to um, to slow down and reevaluate a little bit. Hmm. But that, But to me, that was, I was in the kind of autopilot and kind of just in the zone of that for a few weeks without it hitting me and then when I started getting that physical anxiety it was like oh hello you're where are you at right now what are you doing and um and then I slowly started making changes right away you know like I told you switch tried to switch my schedule to Mm -hmm. you know do four tens to minimize some of the extra hours and put some boundaries in place with the teachers and I still have a ways to go but I've I've started you know but um an aha moment that was that I don't have control and that's false it's a false reality but that is true you know yeah. you know for well sorry are you done no I'm done yeah for me in the past and probably in the present <laughs> aha moments have been ultimately a sort of a well hopefully not in the future because I feel like I've learned from them but it can be a source of suffering (laughs) because I attach to the aha moment and Uh think it's the goal and it's not the goal right like the aha moment comes and I get so excited like that spiritual high that an aha moment is for me I think that that peak can be reached all the time like once I experience that aha moment oh. 
And so then I'm chasing for the next spiritual peak and I'm chasing for the next spiritual peak instead of understanding that, yeah, they're nice they they feel good and if it's it's a you know usually like an aha moment to me is a, a it's mostly about a perspective shift yes yeah you know me too me too um but uh, when i have that if it's a heightened sense of like a perspective gain if i feel like oh, like, oh my god mm. like like when i got sober really for the first time experienced sobriety that was an i had this aha moment that i had been fucking up in life and what was i doing and i was just oh my god and life can be beautiful without drugs and then i thought life always had to be beautiful without drugs or 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 Life is always beautiful. Well, yeah, that, that you know, that, that <laughs> rush, you know, was a high in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, descend down from that mountain and learn how to be happy on the plane of yes. existence and learn how to, yeah. like, be content with the daily process, waking up and you know what you have in front of you that day and then when the aha moments come just don't attach to them they're good they're great they feel good you can learn from them and and i would say they serve a role but the bigger thing is living in in between them and learning how to do that without you know trying to force or control the next one and the next one and the next one but they have they have gotten me drunk for sure like Hmm. They've gotten me high before because I'll have that aha moment and then it's so depressing when I can't cultivate that high sober in the long term. And it's like, oh, well, shit, life isn't that great or whatever, you know. It's, it, I mean, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong on this, uh, Brady, but it, it almost sounds like, I mean, that idea that when you have that moment and the feeling associated with it, the, the feelings that come from it, it's like you you, you, said, you said, like, I'm chasing that. I'm, I'm looking for the next one. I'm looking exactly. for the next one. The, the old drag, you know, chasing the dragon's chasing tail. The dragon. Right, yeah. That, yeah. That's, isn't that interesting? Because that's kind of like an addiction to a, a belief that, you know, again, full circle, right? Um, seems to happen a lot. Uh, that... You know, I'm, I want to. I want to f- keep feeling this. I want. I want this. What's the next one? And I, I. I'm guilty of that too. I'm not guilty, but I have that experience too. Which sometimes, not all of them, but there are times that I. I, I know and I can relate to exactly what you're saying. Um, when, when's when's the next one going to happen, or what can I do to expand this one out? So right, and that, and that. I mean, I keep going. We keep bringing up. Um, well, we always talk about like Buddhist principles and yeah. permanence, that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, that is the nature, like like Buddhism has helped me um, shift from that perspective or understand just the nature of um, life. Like the like it was always explained when I first came into um, a little bit of understanding of Buddhism. Uh, there's this saying that life is suffering. The Buddha said, "Life is suffering," and on the face. That seems really like um, gory and like dark, dark, right? <laughs> Life Morbid. is suffering. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. But after further understanding of it, a, a better translation of it, as I've read some things, unless something is the nature of life is impermanent. So every moment is unsatisfactory because it will end. Yes. 
And when you put it in that context, it's like, oh, it's not that life, there's not happiness and there's not, it's that that happiness will end and the nature of that is unsatisfactory. Exactly. Yes. You know, and so. That's what's often described as suffering. Exactly. Yeah. But, but I, you know, I, that's, and that's so helped me with those said. aha moments, right? Because it's yeah. like, oh, I can have those aha moments, but it's so important for me to understand that they're impermanent mm-hmm. and that they will be followed up by something uncomfortable and then something just uh, neutral and then something pleasurable uh-huh. and then something painful, uh-huh. but then back to neutral. You know what I mean? It's just this huge ebb and flow um, of that process, and that's just the way we mm-hmm. live. So I'm really glad you brought up the piece about being uncomfortable because that's one of the things we 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 tend to talk about a lot, especially early on when in the treatment community anyway is you know learning how to be uncomfortable and that be okay not to judge it as something bad or something's wrong or um, it's too hard and I, I love the, the notion that. You know, learning to be okay, being uncomfortable and accepting that that's where, you know, I am or the feelings are I'm experiencing are in the moment. But the, but it's because life is everything in life is impermanent that it's going to pass. I mean, that I mean, if there if there was an aha moment when I started studying Buddhism, for me, it was very similar. That type of, of realization that everything's going to pass whether it be the happiness, the joy, the bliss, um, the, the uncomfortableness, the, the sadness, the hurt, it's all going to pass. It's not going to be there unless I have, again, back to at least a sense of accountability, unless I have a belief that I need to perpetuate that story, which will hang on to that, that, the, the, the idea that I'm supposed to feel or be a certain way. I, I just, I love that. Thank you. Thanks for, yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, it's been a huge tool for me and um, just, yeah, perspective, like that was an aha moment, you know, yeah. not, uh, I guess somewhat recent, but, you know, just that understanding. And, and I feel like that can be deeper understood, uh, you know, with every new experience. Mm. It's like a continual process of further like examining that idea and understanding it for yourself and um, you know um so i i I grew up and learned to surf as as a child and i haven't done a lot since i've been an adult but i wonder if you guys one of the things that i had i had the experience of and i i learned i probably learned it before i started surfing from on a board to um when uh, doing body surfing is that I wasn't in control (laughs) of the water or the wave, you know, and I really, I kept thinking that's what it was about, you know, like me learning to kind of control the wave and the water and how everything was. And and then I remember the first time I had that experience where I allowed the wave to be in control and I just allowed myself to flow with it. And I, I mean, I remember this as a little kid, uh, that moment that I f- had that experience. And I remembered the joy that came from it. I was going, oh, I don't this. I, this doesn't have to be a fight like I'm or even like like I have to force this. Did you guys have you had that experience surfing? Uh, did you guys have anything like that? 
Oh yeah, I think I think we can both relate to that, and that especially. Uh, I mean, there's so many life metaphors here. Though. Oh, like, I'm like, I feel like that's my entire life. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that really is. Uh, and the thing is, I find it more when I get out there, and if I'm struggling or whatever to to, to catch a wave or whatever, I I do need to like take a break and be like, why are you fighting this? Why are you you can't control this and you kind of just have to go with the flow essentially mm-hmm. and uh and let it and let it just happen it's not something that you can force to happen you can't force that wave to come in exactly every 15 seconds or you can't force that wave to be three feet which is great for me to pick up or is that wave going to be eight feet and totally bury me down <laughs> or totally make me nosedive and uh and you know and just totally wreck me you know and uh, yeah, it's just it is a good exercise in in letting go of control and trying to be sounds cliched or dumb, but one one with the wave as opposed to trying to be against it. I'm going to conquer you type mentality. It's just like all right, let's let's as friends go in. Hmm. <laughs> Essentially, I don't know, Brady, you. Yeah, no, I I mean surfing. I mean, I feel I don't know. I feel like I've had that experience of being one with the wave. A lot of times in a surprising way like oh my god I stood up and then <laughs> and then once I'm up and riding it you know you can feel that I'm very beginner very novice level when mm. it comes to surf but surfing's a great metaphor for life because it's like you paddle out there it's really hard you get fucked up the waves you know you, you just it's difficult then you stand up and you have that moment and you're riding this wave mm-hmm. And then you got to turn around and paddle back out. <laughs> well, again, like the whole 180 of like, you don't all have over control. Again. Like, you don't have control of the wave. You don't have control, you know? I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else with the aha before? Uh, I'm just going to get to the, the last thing here. No. Okay. Nope, I'm good. All right. So I'm going to, uh, this is what I'd like to do. I'm just going to re- read the, the last step, which is about showing up, because I was going to do this. This was on my list, and I kind of forgot about it, and then I remembered it, and then you started talking about it, and I was like, oh, oh that that's uh, kismet. So I'm going to definitely do this. So uh, this is from Recovering the Seeds. Step five uh, is show up, show up, show up. Create connection. Take risks. Be vulnerable. Look for community and embrace diversity. Hey, let's grab coffee sometime. (laughs) Learn the language of love, compassion, and acceptance. Nothing will change as long as you keep doing the same thing over and over again. The whole thing about 90% of life is showing up. Well, that's true. So get get over yourself and show up. And while you're there or here, listen to others. Really, stop trying to figure out what you want to say while others are talking. Because when you stop thinking and planning, you are actually start listening. Listening is truly an art. The inability to listen is how we got here or got in this mess in the first place. Happiness and contentment come from showing up and being a good listener. And being a good listener is being, is, is being able to know the difference between reality and someone else's bullshit. Of course, this also means that you're willing to show up and be honest about your own bullshit, too. Showing up is about being present and being mindful. Closing thoughts from you guys. No, I, I uh, that, that's, that's beautiful. And um, 
that's definitely what I was, you know, what what I was t- speaking about earlier is just that that ability to be able to connect has given um, myself, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, joy and happiness and life. fulfillment would be the word has given me a lot of fulfillment, and so I I need to make a conscious effort personally to continue on that, you know, um, and 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 look to make connect connections with people let go of my my judgments and my my uh my biases you know i i do personally is something that i i have to work on consistently is the initial judgment of somebody when i when i meet them uh-huh. you know i already you know i, I just by their appearance or whatever very sure because i'm a very superficial person <laughs> and, <laughs> no i mean you know it's it's it's, uh, it's something i've had to work on and because once I, if I can get through that, you know, or not make those judgments. I'm calling just, bullshit you know, just for yeah, the sake I'm, of I'm it. Like, yeah. really I, don't, the, I don't see that. Oh, well, I, yeah. But if I'm able to listen to them, find out their story, connect with them, be vulnerable, I mean, um, it's, uh, it just, that's what, that's what it's really, in a nutshell, that's what it's really all about is making those connections. And um, that's all I really got to say. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah, for me, I completely agree with everything you said. And for me, the show up, I mean, just showing up, like Mm -hmm. show up, show up, show up, has been a huge part of the shift in my life for the better because I don't realize how much it means until I do just show up. (laughs) Today, Yeah. at Refuge, at um, my nephew's championship basketball game on monday you know it was a snowstorm mm-hmm. i didn't want to go i went and i showed up and i got a text from him later that like made my entire week you know because <laughs> it meant so much to him mm-hmm. i mean i mean you can apply it to so many different no. areas but it it never ceases to amaze me that when i show up how it betters my life and when i don't want to even more so and and that doesn't mean it's always a good thing sometimes i show up and i'm like ah damn, I wish I was at home in bed. You know, I mean, right. that happens too sometimes, but for the most part, I'm going to, if I show up and put forth just that small amount of effort, even if I'm not, even if my heart's not totally in it, but I just show up mm-hmm. and usually I'll get there Yeah, and it brings me there. And, and for me, actually showing up brings balance to my life, which sounds weird, but because it helps me put things in perspective. Yeah when I'm not doing things just for me or just like if I'm letting myself do things that are uncomfortable and showing up to things that are possibly going to make me feel uncomfortable or I'm uncomfortable about doing, I'm going to grow from that and it will help me put things in perspective about what is real, what matters right now. And it brings me back to a better reality personally. Yeah. Yeah, It's very easy to not uh, show up. (laughs) You can usually, yeah, I mean, it's very easy to make excuses of, of why, you know, because it's more, it's more comfortable, at least for me personally, it's more comfortable not to show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I do that, I never grow, yeah. I never grow, um, you know, I never grow, I never have new experiences and I basically will just stagnate and uh, I won't have that uh, fulfillment that comes with when you do show up and mm-hmm. it does work and you make those connections. Yeah. yeah, and the connections, that part of it too that I didn't mentioned but that was that's a huge part of it you show up and then just watch as these connections you know unfold yeah you know well it's hard to be it's hard to be create a community without showing up right Mm -hmm. i mean it's hard to create it's hard to create this it's hard to create this exactly 
So, yeah, I just agree. <laughs> you just agree. We just I said disagree. it so well. That you, you, you did. Already <laughs> concurs. Yeah. So I, I want to acknowledge, um, honestly, with, with great gratitude um, that you guys showed up today. Because um, I just put this out there, you know, yesterday afternoon and you guys all showed up. So I am humbly grateful because that to me is the, the epitome of what makes community. So um, you honor the Bozo community <laughs> by just being who you are. So thank you. Thank you, thank Paul. You. All right. Um, we will uh, we'll end here today. Um, I want to thank all the listeners for uh, for for uh, being here, and uh, we will go out as we always do with a little Joan Osborne. Which actually, this song's by Prince, as, as you guys probably know that, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote he wrote this song. So. I did not know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Who? Prince. Yeah. Prince wrote God. Yeah. Wrote God. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Have a great week. We'll see you guys. Bye bye. Like it.